You're listening to Bought and Beloved. Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to the Bot and Beloved podcast. My name is Kirby Kelly, also known as Kirby the Boss on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And this week, I am going to be answering a few questions that were sent in to me via Instagram. Um, so every now and again, I will post on my Instagram story to see what it is that you guys want me to talk about. I'll post that like questions option on my story, you know what I'm talking about, and people will submit stuff, and this week, I had about like 50 plus questions submitted, which is awesome, um, but there were a few questions that stuck out to me because they were repeated to me a few times by a few different people, so um, if you want to know why I have AYQ in front of today's title, it stands for Answering Your Questions, and in these specific episodes of the podcast, I rapid fire about three to five questions since I get all kinds of submissions whether it's through Instagram or my podcast email, which is boughtandbeloved at gmail.com. And it helps me to answer those questions rather than, you know, spending 30 minutes on one question. Sometimes I get submissions that I could answer in five minutes easy. And so this is that opportunity to answer those questions that'll take me like five to 10 minutes to get through. But without further ado, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I have three questions that I will be diving into today. And maybe your question will be answered. So listen up, and I hope that this episode really encourages you, equips you, and empowers you, and engages you with the word of God. Let's go. Question number one, what is the best way that I can invite someone to church? Are there any strategies or methods on how I can be more inviting and bring people? So this was sent in by Gabriel. Great question, Gabriel. I have a feeling that this answer will be more on the short side, um, but whether you are inviting a classmate, coworker, family member, or friend to church with you, I always encourage you to convey the experience of the church, convey the vibe of it. Um, maybe they went to a church growing up and it was a bad experience, or maybe it was boring, or maybe it was bad theology, maybe it was abusive, um, maybe they simply just don't believe in God, they see it as pointless. By hearing out their worldview first, by having conversations with these people first and developing real relationship with these people, even if it's just one interaction or months of getting to know this person, you need to develop relationship by hearing out their worldview, hearing out their experience with Christianity, and maybe through having a better understanding of who they are as a person and how religion in general has affected them and shaped them, you can communicate how your church experience maybe has filled in those gaps for you that were missing for them. And maybe that in communicating your experience, this could be a great experience for them to see what faith is actually about, what a healthy church looks like, what it means to find community, um, or maybe even just bring them to a church and offering up your pastor as someone that could answer their questions even better than you can by making that uh, available to them. Now, my church does series that goes on for weeks. Um, you know, we'll do five-week series, seven-week series, and usually in between that, we'll have one or two guest speakers that come uh, that will sometimes do a gospel presentation or will 
kind of do a a um a talk or a sermon that is more geared towards new believers or new people that are visiting a church for the first time. So I encourage you, if your church does that, maybe talk to a pastor or someone in leadership that you have access to about what the services will be so that you can know if maybe the church is going to be talking about a topic that your friend could relate to, whether it's knowing the attributes of God or a gospel presentation or talking about suffering or depression or explaining something in the Bible in context, you know? Or maybe your church has special events or community-type nights where there's a young adult get-together or the youth goes camping or the adults go two-stepping. I don't know. But maybe there are even opportunities like that where you can get them comfortable in a social setting with the people of the church, the members, before actually getting them through the doors and sitting in a pew, right? But at the end of the day, we cannot force someone to come to church. We can't. It needs to be an invitation. We are extending an invitation and they can either RSVP and show up or decline. But our job simply is to be faithful and to be inviting. I think we do need to be better at this of actually inviting people to church. Like literally the other day I was at Nordstrom Rack getting Christmas gifts for people. And the lady that was checking me out um, was talking about Jesus. And I was like, oh my gosh, this woman is just like straight up sharing the love of God. I love it. And I asked her, hey, what church do you go to? And she's like, I actually have just been attending online because of COVID. Um, why? What church do you go to? And I told her and she's like, oh my gosh, can I come this weekend? And I was like, yeah, I gave her all the information. So I'm hoping that I will see her this weekend, you know? Um, it's just, it's little moments like that. Like we need to be faithful to extending the invitation whenever we get the chance. Uh, but it's God's job to do the work in their life, right? And it's their choice whether to receive that and to follow through with their word or to follow through with even just simply showing up even if they didn't really express interest to begin with. But if they're reluctant to coming, I think that we also need to do a better job of ministering to people outside of the church, discipling people outside of the church, those who are not comfortable with the church, because after all, we are the church, right? Believers are the church. We can disciple them outside of the church because we are the church. We are God's holy inhabitation. We are his dwelling place. We can be a light and bring comfort and truth to someone who might not feel comfortable walking through um, the doors of a church, who who grew up in a toxic church setting. I know so many people right now, um, it, it's... I don't want to say it's a trend, but it's a reality of what's going on in the world is there are so many people who are deconstructing from the church who have not felt comfortable in the church, but that's jeopardized um, the love of God and the truth of God from actually being um, relevant and evident in their lives. I'm sure that many of them are happy through this choice and feel more comfortable because they have allowed the, the gospel to conform to what they believe. But the reality is, is that we are to conform to the truths of the gospel. And so maybe you know someone who's going through that process and we can be loving and we can be truthful at the same time outside of the church, maybe where they have initially um, felt rejected by. A lot of people are feeling rejected by the church because um you know, we've swung from this pendulum of of the church used to being very legalistic and rules-based and, and um, that God would only love us if we did certain things. 
which, you know, to a degree, it's like, okay, when we give our life to Christ, we are called to holiness. We are called to obedience. You know, if you love me, you will keep my commands, as John 14, 15 says. But in our day and age, the pendulum has completely swung to the other side, which is polarized. Um, these are both polarized points of, you know, do whatever you want. God loves you no matter what. And it's like, God loves you, yes, but do you love God? right? If you love me, you will keep my commands. And a relationship goes both ways. So we can help be that median of getting people to the middle of, of yes, God loves you just as you are, but we are called to obedience at the same time, right? Both spirit and truth. Um, we can help with that. And hopefully we are able to find churches that are healthy and rooted in that, and that we can guide people to those places that the pastors are actually shepherding from uh, a point of truth, right? The Bible, the gospel. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. We are God's building. We are the church. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We are the congregation. So let's be an example into the world of who the church is supposed to be, who we actually are, um, and, and what it means for the church to be involved in the role and the life of a believer, right? And let's be a light. Let's be a light to those people and, and be inviting in our day-to-day -day lives as well. So I hope that answers your question, Gabriel. On to question number two, this was sent in by Larissa, and she said, what do you do when you struggle with chronic illness and God won't take it away? Larissa, I feel you on this one. I don't know if you are struggling with a chronic illness or disease or anything. Um, in case anybody is unaware with tuning into today's episode, I have chronic migraines, uh, and they are debilitating. They've gotten a lot better, so thank you to everyone who has been praying for me. Praise the Lord. Um, it used to be that I would get violently sick, like throw up everywhere. I would lose my vision um, for about 30 minutes. I wouldn't be able to see, and then I'd get smacked in the head with a migraine and would pass out. And it was the worst pain in the world. I would want to slam my head against a wall to get rid of the tension. It hurt so bad. But I would say over the past few months, maybe even year, um, it's gotten a lot better in terms of my vision. I don't lose my vision nearly as much. Um, but the tension in my head still is very, very real and apparent and forces me to retreat to my bed and put off all work, all activities because of the pain and the pressure. It hurts so bad. It sucks. And I have prayed many prayers, many, many prayers, many times for God to take them away. I've had them for like five years now. Maybe this is the year of grace. I don't know. And the Lord will take it away. I pray in Jesus's name. But I think that this scenario can relate to other people, even in a broader sense, with the question of why does a good and loving God, who's able to do all things, including healing the sick, not heal me? not deliver me, not relieve me of my pain, of my struggle, of my suffering. Does he not hear me? Did I do something wrong to deserve this? Does he not love me? Like, these are all questions that I wrestled with um, and that many of us have wrestled with, with the question of why won't a loving God take away my suffering? Let's talk about it, okay? When life doesn't go our way, when we're given obstacles or ailments or challenges, I think it's easy for us to seek out blame. We want to justify the cause 
of what is happening to us. And so often we will point the blame and push the blame onto God. God did this to me. God allowed this to happen. God must not love me. God is the one who brings on suffering. We blame it on God. When life goes wrong, it's easy for us to pin everything on him, being that he is seated on the throne, he's sovereign, he's all authority. But this causes us so often to doubt his control, to question his goodness, to wrestle if he really is wise and just in all that he does, in all that he allows. I know that at the end of the day, in our suffering, whether it be a circumstance and situation or an illness and an ailment like Larissa sent in, we want hope. We want hope. We want to have unshakable faith in, in our God, despite what we are going through. We want to have hope that there is healing on the other side. We do. But the first thing I think we need to acknowledge um, in regards to suffering, in whatever means that may be, whether it is sickness or just a situation you're in, is that we live in a broken world. We do. God gave humanity free will from the very beginning to choose him or to not choose him. And in rejecting God, sin entered the world. This made headway for death to enter and then, you know, on top of death, sickness to enter. It allowed pain to enter, sorrow to enter, suffering to enter. That is the consequence and result of sin. Has God since then resolved all of the brokenness that we face and see today? No. Did he send his one and only son down to take away the burdens and sentence of condemnation that sin brings so that we can be in relationship with him? Yes. We get to be in relationship with a loving, a just, a wise, a powerful God who knows us, who wants the best for us, and is able to take away sin, sickness, and suffering. But that does not mean that every bit of suffering is taken away from us. We live in a broken world, but we must acknowledge who initially broke it. We live in a, in a world of suffering. We do. And that is as consequent of sin that humanity initially brought in. And, and God has promised us that we will continue to live in a world of suffering because we continue to live in a broken world until we meet him in heaven, whether that is through death or resurrection. You know what I mean? Like, however, the end times will, will go out if we make it to that point, right? If Christ comes before we die and meet him that way. But he promised us that amidst the suffering, he would bring purpose. He would bring transformation. He would bring growth. He would bring goodness. He would bring about glory and he would bring blessing through it. God does not use our suffering in vain. In fact, he is able to take what is broken and make it beautiful. He can make the things that once caused us suffering to be a, a platform for us to bring hope to other people. Like he is able to transform, bring growth, purpose, glory, goodness, and blessing out of the places where we once otherwise thought that he wasn't even working out, that he wasn't even present in. Our suffering is never in vain, ever. This world, it's evil. People choose to disobey and they hurt us. Our bodies, they're mortal. They're dying. We are prone to sickness and disease. But God does not allow us to go through things in vain when they do happen. Whether it's because of someone's abuse of free will, 
or simply the cards that we are dealt in this life of living in a broken world um, fall into our lap and we are given sickness and, and we face disease and we face things that ideally we wouldn't have to face if there was no sin in the world. Now, I'm not trying to make excuses for God. God is loving. God is just. God is good. Um, could he intervene at any moment? Yes, he could. But at the same time, we have to understand that God cannot act outside of the the character that he has, the, the character that, that he is, the nature that he is. So he cannot be evil because he is good. So can God do everything? He can do everything in accordance to who he is. But he cannot do wrong. He cannot do evil, right? He cannot um, invoke suffering upon us because he loves us because he is good. Yet he can allow these things to happen because he allowed for there to be free will in the world. And we made an initial decision at the very beginning that has allowed these things to trickle down through um, through the time that humanity has been alive that that unfortunately there is sin, sickness, and brokenness and suffering in our world. Um, so he is he is acting in accordance to what he has given us, but he is able to supernaturally intervene and move um, in our sickness, in our sin, <laughs> in, in areas of suffering where he is able to release us from those things, bring freedom from those things. But even if he does not heal us from sickness, even if he does not heal us and take us out of our situation of suffering, he is able to fully redeem us from sin. Praise the Lord. Um, especially when we are in heaven and there will be no sin no more and we will not be fallen and we will not be in a state where we are um, giving into temptation or anything like that. But here and now, even if we are faced with temptation, even if we are in a situation of, of suffering, even if we are stuck with a sickness or an ailment, if God does not intervene, he can still bring good out of it. He can still bring good out of it. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network and is sponsored in part by... Okay, listen up. Are you ready to win the holidays this year? I mean, going to your holiday parties, whether it's with your friends, your families, I don't know, your workspace. Take the traditional holiday gift up a notch or 10 notches with an epic milk bar treat. Oh my gosh, y'all. If you've never heard of milk bar, if you've never tasted milk bar, Get ready for this. Get ready for this promo code at the end here. But Milk Bar was created by Christina Tozzi, the master baker. She started it in 2008. And you might have seen Milk Bar featured on Netflix's Chef's Table Pastry Edition. I don't know if you like to binge watch that stuff on Netflix, but I do. And she has been wowing the world with her unique spin on iconic flavors ever since then. There, it, honestly, Milk Bar, it's the perfect gift for anyone and everyone in your life. But a few of my favorite signature items that they have that I've tried, that I've eaten whenever I've gone to the Milk Bar store. Um, but number one, their signature birthday cake. Oh my goodness. I know for a fact you've seen this thing on Instagram or somewhere. Second, the salty sweet compost cookie. And last but not least, this is my absolute favorite one, the Milk Bar Pie. Listen to this. It has a toasted oat crust with this gooey butter filling. It is the, it's honestly the pie that made me like pie. I'm not even kidding here. But for a limited time, Milk Bar's offering some indulgent holiday treats such as peppermint bark cake. 
peppermint bark cake truffles, and peppermint pretzel snaps. Y'all, that snaps just hearing that. I love it. But right now, Milk Bar has a special limited time offer. You can get $10 off any order of $50 or more when you go to milkbarstore.com slash Kirby. You'll get 10 bucks off of any order of $50 or more by going to milkbarstore.com slash Kirby. Again, one more time, that is milkbarstore.com slash Kirby. of emotions surface during the holiday season. Happiness, sadness, joy, excitement, stress, the list goes on. But remember to take time for yourself this holiday season and make sure you keep your mental wellness in check. Take a break with Calm. I'm partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way that you feel. I've used Calm for a little over a year now and I love it. I love especially the fact that they have these imaginative sleep stories, especially being someone who actually struggles with pretty bad sleep anxiety. Just listening to these stories and even the curated music tracks that they have really does calm me. I know that might sound a little cliche since that's literally what the app is called, but that's what it does. It, it calms me. And if you go to calm.com slash Kirby, you'll get a limited time offer of four 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming. And new content is added every single week. You can sleep more, you can stress less, you can live better with Calm. So for listeners of the show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Kirby. Go to calm.com slash Kirby for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. I really hope that this helps you this holiday season with whatever it is you're going through, whoever you're seeing, and what might surface during the holidays. So yeah, that's calm.com slash Kirby. And I really hope that you have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays this year. Our suffering, it's not in vain, y'all. It's not. Above all else, I'm confident. I am confident that God has victory in all things. Even in my present day suffering, God still has the victory. It might be hard to see that because we are so focused on the moment that we are in. But, but this is just a moment, y'all. Beyond it is, is a further glory where God is going to be glorified and it can be for our good. I've learned not to, you know, just simply ask God, why? Why is this happening? Why me? Why do I have this? Why am I suffering with this? Why can't things happen this way? I am trying to retrain myself in rather than jumping just to the why of, of looking at it with a new perspective and asking the question, what for? God, what can this be used for? What glory can come out of this? What good can end up as a result of this? Could, could I use this to minister to someone, to relate to someone that's going through this, aka right now? Could I see your hand move miraculously one day at the right time in front of the right people, and if not, still use this as an opportunity for my faith to grow, my endurance to grow, my character to grow over just seeking comfortability? God, what for? What is this going to be used for and how can I press in today? 
He has reasoning and he has wisdom behind why he allows what he allows. It is man who is wicked. It is this world who is wicked. A sickness that is wicked. You know, but God is able to redeem, restore, bring goodness, bring glory out of the cards that we have been dealt with in this fleeting life. Because God allows us to make decisions. He has given us free will and sometimes that affects you and me in a terrible, terrible way of what other people do. And we ask God, why? Well, he's given free will, but what I do know is that he is able to redeem and restore and bring good out of the evil that has been done to us and the sickness that that we have to deal with daily. He can bring good out of it. He can bring healing, but he can also bring meaning to it today until we meet healing, whether it is in this life or when we are in heaven where there is no sin and sickness anymore. With a what-for perspective, we can better perceive the purpose God has in our present-day situation. We can trust in His plan, His justice, His wisdom in what we are working with and what we're going through. As long as we can find ways to serve God, God will always come as a result. Good will always come as a result. What, what, you know, what I submit before God, what, what I used, um, let me do that again. Um, You know, we can ask the question, if I submit this before God, if I can use this to serve him, his plans, his purposes, his people, what will come out of it? Good. Good will come as a result of allowing his will to triumph over what's happened to me. Can we submit this before him? Can we use this to serve him? Yes. It is by God's grace, first of all, that I get to live to see another day. Amen. It is by grace that I get to be in relationship with him, that I can experience his love, mercy, grace, goodness, peace, joy, and so much more despite what I've gone through and what I am currently going through today. Praise God. He is good despite the despair. And although that it might be hard to have that perspective right now, We must fight to cling on to it because that reality brings us into freedom. And where there is truth, there is freedom. He brings freedom. Our our world has fallen and our world is not fair, but God is able to accomplish his plan and his purpose despite the unfairness of life because God is fair and God is just in extending to us grace and mercy and all that we need to persevere through our struggle, our day-to-day struggle. For me, it's migraines. Maybe for you, it's been losing a loved one. Maybe it's Lyme's disease. Maybe it's recovering through trauma. Maybe it's working through a rough breakup. Maybe it's seeing your parents' marriage fall apart. Maybe you tore a ligament or a bone and now you can't live normal life again like you used to. You can't fulfill the plans that you once had, whether it's sports or a scholarship. I don't know. This life has fallen. This world has fallen. And we see it as unfair when it doesn't go our way. But we can trust that God can use these things to grow our character, transform our heart, bring us into closer intimacy with him, and use it to minister to other people and give them hope and faith as well through the, through the footsteps that we've walked through. When we suffer, know that we are suffering alongside Christ, just as 1 Peter 4 speaks about. But in our suffering, we can anticipate a future glory to come. In my Old Testament class that I literally just finished up taking this week, 
Shout out DBU. Shout out finals week. I was studying the wisdom literature at one point, um, and I love the wisdom literature books of the Bible. In case you don't know them, um, it's Job, uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. But I love uh, the wisdom literature books of the Bible because they analyze the real issues, the real life questions and conversations, and they bring it about um, in analyzing the wisdom of God, in understanding the wisdom of God. We cannot always lean on our own understanding. It's hard at times for us um, to just be like, you know, I totally get what's going on here. I totally see God's will. And it's hard for us also at times to just be like, well, I'm just going to trust God, especially when you're just sick and tired of going through what you're going through. You know, there's so much evil in the world, y'all. It, it's so true. And people are so far gone and wicked. Um, but that does not discredit God's wisdom, goodness, purpose, and love for you in your life. So Larissa, I encourage you to read the wisdom books of scripture, especially starting in Psalms and Job. And if you have a hard time reading Job, I suggest getting a commentary so you can understand what is happening here and how, um, you know, God is the one on trial here of why am I going through suffering? Because in all of Job's suffering, you know, God never actually tells him why he allowed the suffering to happen. We don't really know what the purpose was, the reasoning behind the suffering. But Job did find out how good, sovereign, wise, and worthy the Lord is amidst the suffering that we experience. Whether we are living a faithful life to God or not, we are all promised suffering. But it's better to do it with God in our life. But I want to, um, before I move to the last question for today, want to read through a list that is in one of my textbooks about what our biblical response to suffering should be. And so it's seven points. So if you're taking notes, um, definitely reflect on this if you're ever going through suffering. Um, but it's seven points of how we should respond to suffering biblically. Number one looking for God's purpose through it rather than laboring over its cause. So good. Number two, seeking ways to serve God and grow through the suffering. Number three, expecting God to bring good out of misfortune and hardship. Number four, putting our circumstances in a grace perspective, appreciating the grace that God has given us. Number five, Meditating on the suffering of Christ for us. Number six, weighing our hardships against the misery of others and against the span of eternity. And number seven, trusting in God's wisdom. This should be our biblical response to suffering. And I think that even in analyzing the situation you might be in, whether it is sickness and disease or just a really hard situation or even past situation, let us look at it through this lens and really go through each step and take time um, to, to really meditate and dwell on, on these things because they will bring us into the truth of God and relationship with God even deeper. And our last question actually comes from a different Larissa. Isn't that funny? I guess that's just a really popular name. Um, but her question is, I'm going through an existential crisis right now, and I want to know how to find purpose in the Lord. What do I do? Such a good question, Larissa. Um, let's dive into that. So we know as humans uh, that eternity is in our heart. 
it says that in Ecclesiastes. Uh, and the whole book of Ecclesiastes actually examines the pursuit of self-fulfillment and trying to find purpose. And I think that's something that we see in our world today is we are trying to find self-fulfillment rather than fulfillment in God. Not to accuse you and say that that's what you're doing, Larissa. I don't want to accuse you of that. It seems as though you want to find purpose in life in God. Um, and amen to that. I'm so happy you are because so many people try to find fulfillment in in other people, in material things, in status, in fame, in power, in, um, you know, love and sex and money. I don't know. So many things. There's so many things that people try and find self-fulfillment in. Um, and it's so easy in our world, especially today when everything is just so instantly available and advertised to us to just want to step into our calling right now. To know what will give us fulfillment right now. To know where our purpose will be right now. We want to know our reason for being right now. And you know, maybe we'll, maybe God will have a light bulb go off for you today after today's podcast or tomorrow or even next week as, as to what he has called you to do. Um, but I know that we have two callings in our life. And I want to break that down briefly because I think this will bring a lot of freedom to a lot of people to know that you have two callings in your life. And I will say that there was a book that really helped me on this, and it was um, The Call by O.S. Guinness. I believe that's his name, um, but it's called The Call. Simple as that. Um, and it really helped me break down these two concepts I'm going to talk about today. But we have our primary calling and we have a secondary calling. So no matter if you know what your secondary calling is yet, you can still fulfill the primary call that God has on your life and know that you have meaning and purpose. The first call um, that we have can be found in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. This is what it says. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Simple as that. To fear God, which means to have um, right relationship and a, a right understanding of who God is and to keep his commandments, to live in obedience to him, to live out the call of holiness. We know that in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, it says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. We are called to keep his commands, to walk in holiness. A second verse that I would say falls under this category of our primary calling is Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And it says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, and this is him talking to his disciples after his resurrection, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our primary calling is obedience and relationship to God. With this comes the call to preaching the gospel and discipleship, to know God and keep his commands, to pursue holiness and the life that Christ has won for us and called us into, and to love others as yourself and to love God. You might not know your secondary calling, 
you know, which might be to be a teacher or a pastor or a race car driver or an entomologist or a mother or an investment baker or pediatrician or farmer. You know, maybe you don't know that yet, your secondary calling, your vocation. But that does not mean that you can't find your purpose in your primary calling, that you can't live that out today. This goes across the board for everyone who is in Christ. This is who we are called and created to be, right? To be in relationship, to be obedient, and to be disciples making disciples. Our secondary calling, our vocational calling, is what we have been created to do, right? But our our doing flows out of our initial being. So we need to know who we are and whose we are and be in relationship, be obedient um, to the call of Christ and cause of Christ. And through that, we will know what it is that he has put in us to do, the steps that he has uniquely ordained each of us to walk out to fulfill these things that he has created us to be. Amen? Our secondary calling, our vocational calling, I believe, can be narrowed down and analyzed in understanding, one, your gifts and talents, and two, your passions and what it is that tugs at your heartstrings. When you put those two things together and you submit it to God, he will do amazing things in your life. I think that can help you narrow down what it is that he might have created you to do. I believe that he will reveal it to you in perfect timing. I also think that God is not just going to limit us to do one thing for the rest of our life. I think there are many things that God is going to call us to do throughout our life. It's not just going to be one thing. And that's the joy is that new seasons will come with with new calls and commissions and missions for us to step into, roles for us to fulfill. Um, but I know that as we as we really look at what what has God gifted me with, what is the talent that he has possessed me with? Um, What is the passion in my heart? You know, in submitting those things to him, he will give us purpose for his kingdom, for others, and for yourself. But y'all, these were some awesome questions. I had so many sent in, so many sent in. And maybe I'll do another episode here in the future where I get a few more in. Um, I had one question asking me, you know, how do I heal from past hurt? I also had a question asking me if all sin is equal, you know, like is a white lie versus abuse or murder seen as the same before God. And I would love to, you know, make another podcast where I answer your questions about these things as well. But in the meantime, you can email me at botandbeloved at gmail.com, all spelled out, bot, A-N-D, beloved at gmail.com with your questions um, and your podcast topic ideas, or you can even follow me on Instagram at Kirby is a boss um, and see when I take in more questions on my story because I pull from there too, just like I did today to make today's podcast. But I hope you enjoyed today's answering your question episode here on the Bot and Beloved podcast. And if you have any questions, a scripture, a situation in your life where you want biblical advice and wisdom, shoot me that email, follow me on Instagram. Um, but in the meantime, subscribe to the podcast. New episodes come out every single Wednesday on every single streaming platform that, that hosts podcasts. But until next week, I love you guys. Have a happy and safe holidays as we lead up to Christmas um, and be blessed. I love you guys. Thanks for listening to Bought and Beloved. 
For more information about this show, visit ConvergePodcastNetwork.com. part of the Converge Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.